Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here, as always, with Stephen Ellis. And Stephen, I don't know about you. I have some crazy stuff going on in my league. What do you have going on in your little circuit right now? Well, first off, because I received a lot of messages about the Spider-Man video game the last from the last couple episodes after my comments. Finished it. Unbelievable. Again, worth buying a PS5. If you haven't got it, it's worth buying a second PS5 for it, just, just to be clear. But uh, with my team... For the second week in a row, won both matchups. Uh, my f- uh, one in my my six team league, uh, it was kind of a, a blowout. It just seemed like everybody that my opponent had just did not work out. Uh, and then in my other league, it did come down to the wire kind of on Saturday night. And then my opponent ran out of all his moves and had no players playing on Sunday, so he did <laughs> not look into that too much. So that was an easy win. But losing Jack Hughes in both my leagues is going to hurt. My projection right now in my 16 league is I'm going to get crushed, which means I'll probably fall to second place if that happens. Um, but uh, I will give a shout out to one guy in my league, David, who two weeks ago, I think it was two or three weeks ago, he was dead last, had lost every matchup. Uh, and then he got a 500 point week uh, and is projected to even blow that out of the water this week. And uh, just based off points alone, if he wins and I lose, uh, he will be first place by a long shot. So got to give him a shout out. But uh, how about you? How would, how's your league going? Go David. Was David just like picking up whoever the Sharks were playing or something? Is that how he was getting those points? <laughs> Frank Vitrano has become the biggest meme in our league. <laughs> it's like he just came out of nowhere. And yes. Just, and yeah. Frank Vitrano's on the first place team in my league as well. I think he's on a lot of first place teams because he's scoring almost at the same rate as Austin Matthews. My league, it's it's still getting real weird out there. My backwards rebuild continues. I won again. So I'm third I'm third place. I'm like 14 games over 500. And I realized because of our keeper rules, which I believe I mentioned on the show before, but two keepers, just if you're uninitiated, two keepers if you make the final, three keepers if you make the playoffs, four if you miss the playoffs. But I'm pretty much in line to make the playoffs, which, mean, which means I'm going to have to lose a keeper. So I realized, okay, well, if I keep winning... I may as well cash out Logan Cooley and Jake Sanderson. So I turned Cooley, Sanderson, and Matthew Nyes into some win-now pieces. So I got Pavel Zaka, Vladimir Tarasenko, Darnell Nurse. And because I know I still have Rupe Hintz, Miro Heiskin, UC Saros as my three keepers. So I'm like, okay, with whatever else I have left, I may as well start trying to win. So here we go. I just flipped the switch, <laughs> and suddenly I'm going into <laughs> not quite buyer mode, but at least like neutral mode. And we'll see how far that gets me. Have we ever seen an NHL team win a championship by accident? Like, we look at Boston last year. I didn't think a lot of people kind of expect them to be, obviously, as good as they did in the end when the Stanley Cup. But it's like, they kind of got super good when everyone wrote them off. You purposely tried to suck, and you're doing well. Yeah, and then Michael Bublé, who's in first place, he has Vitrano. He also was supposed to be tanking this year. So we're both like, what are we doing? We're terrible at this. 
but it's kind of funny. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. If I keep winning, maybe then I'll trade a first round pick and go full buyer, like a huge heel turn, but not there yet. We'll, we'll take a, take a wait and see approach. Uh, but let's get to the pickups. A lot of sort of outside the box pickups this week. So I'm excited to get to them. All right, let's start with the guy who just got picked up a few minutes ago in my pool, Alex Kalorn. was not me who picked him, though. Yes, remember him, Alex Kalorn. He's available in 68% of leagues because, of course, he broke his finger before the season started. We never got to see him make his Ducks debut until Sunday night. He's now officially back in the lineup. And because of the Vetrano explosion, it did mean that Kalorn started his first game on the third line. But if you're looking at the $6.25 million price tag, that's the cap hit for Alex Kalorn, he's going to play. It's just the way it works. Money talks. He's going to be in the top six sooner or later. I wouldn't worry about his current deployment. And I still think I went over the summer from thinking he was overrated to kind of like, wait, maybe he's underrated now because people write him off. I think with the Ducks playing better too, you could get like 20, 25 goals, maybe 50 points from Kalorn the rest of the way. So he's kind of a sneaky, decent pickup, pick even in uh, a shallower league right now. I like it. And again, in my shallow league, he just got picked up. Next one here, medium pickup is Quinton Byfield, a guy that I uh, got to see him in person last week at the LA Kings, and I love watching his game, so it's nice to kind of see things working out for him. Yes, I wrote in my notes in capitals, it's happening, it's happening! Time. <laughs> Finally, yes. Weir, weir. Uh, and I did pick him up myself. He's available in 89% of leagues, and the thing is, the signs were there. I wrote a piece before the season started on breakout players, and Quinton Byfield was on the list. His line with Anze Kopitar and Adrian Kempe was dominant last year. For some reason, Byfield wasn't getting the points, but when he was on the ice, they were dominating opponents. It was almost a fluke that he wasn't getting at least like secondary assists. And this year, finally, he stays on that line, and the points are starting to trickle in. Now he's got 10 points in 11 games, 8 points in his last 5. We'll see about the overall statistical profile. He's not shooting the puck a ton. It's more kind of a playmaker profile, but it's still useful if he's close to a point per game or better than a point per game of late. And what I want to see now, he's only playing 14 minutes, 51 seconds a game. So I'm hoping that the ice time climbs and then we could see an even bigger explosion. But either way, it's definitely time to pick up Quentin Byfield. I was trying to check if he was picked in. Yeah, he's in. I believe he is taken in both my pools, so I cannot be picking up Byfield. But man, I watched him in person again. Just it felt like what we knew was going to happen eventually, and it finally starting to happen. And I guess another player kind of in that same realm of a guy of when is it going to work out? Marco Rossi on the Minnesota Wild. Yes, I knew this one would excite you, Stephen. And again, I, I guess apparently I'm yelling in my notes today because I wrote in all capitals. <laughs> this is what we always dreamed of. But it's because we've been talking about this for Marco Rossi for a long time, ever since he was a first-round pick, available 93% of leagues. And what we always envisioned for Kirill Kaprizov was, oh, eventually Matt Boldy will get there, and Marco Rossi will get there, and, and they'll be meaningful contributors, and he won't be alone. We saw Boldy get through, and we were waiting on that center. Kaprizov needed a center. Suddenly, he has him. It's Marco Rossi promoted to the top line. He's got four goals, six points in his last six games. And the reason why this is actionable is when someone who was always supposed to do this starts doing it, you want to pay attention, right? It's not like Frank Vertrano, who's coming out of nowhere. Marco Rossi had the pedigree. He was supposed to be a star or at least an A-minus level star in the NHL. So now I'm like, okay, he's playing quite a few minutes. His last game, he was over 22. It seems like the Wild, they're going to trust him because with the Wild's salary cap situation, the bio penalties for Parise and Suter, they really couldn't add anything. Bill Guerin couldn't add anything to improve the team of consequence in the offseason. So you need improvement from within to have any shot. And that means giving guys like Marco Rossi a real chance. So I think it's possible he sticks in this role. Very exciting, important guy to pick up. Again, I'm so happy to see him really, really starting to look like we knew he could. He played so well in the AHL, just did not work in the NHL until now. I know there was a lot of questions. Could Rossi get traded, go somewhere, and get a lot of ice time? Like, you know, when you, the first thing I thought of was like, man, if this doesn't work out and really Greg doesn't work out for Calgary like, or for Ottawa, that would have been a decent fit in the short term. But doesn't matter. Rossi's looking good for Minnesota. Congrats uh, to everybody involved. Now, this one's pretty funny because Dawson Mercer here is the WTF pick of the week. And he is one of the reasons that the guy I beat last week got shelled so much because Mercer was just out there for a skate. But I, I think I know why you're picking him up here as a WTF. Yes. That's right. So it might seem strange because he had no points in his mm -hmm. first 10 games. He's available in 66% of leagues. 
And it's really just, it's not rocket science. We know Jack Hughes is out, Nico Heischer's out, Dawson Mercer is the number one center for the New Jersey Devils. What happens in his first game in that role? He scores. He actually gets on the board on Sunday night. Not a coincidence. He's too good of a player to have been staying off the score sheet for this long. And now this deployment is going to be the spark he needs. Obviously, he's not going to stay in that role all season, but he's going to stay in an important role with the team. And in the short term, he's someone that even in a shallow league, you should be snatching because he might go supernova for a little while. He's going to be out there in the power play with guys like Timo Meyer, Tyler Toffoli, Jesper Bratt. There's still plenty of talent on the Devils, even with their top two centers out. So Dawson Mercer, very important guy to pick up, probably the priority pickup out of all the names that we've mentioned right now. And I love seeing guys from Newfoundland going to produce. You know, Alex Newhook, kind of hoping to see a bit more than what we've seen so far out of him. But with Mercer, he's way too good to be just absolutely doing nothing on the score sheet. I wrote about him last week as kind of a slumping star. A guy got over 50 points last year and just hasn't been able to get it going. And it's just like, it's not due to a lack of effort. It's just, it's not working out. Now could be the time to make that work. Uh, let's move on to the special segment. And this one's an interesting one, especially when I see the list of who you included, because I dropped one of them in my hockey pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the first buy low window of the season. So I guess you want to explain what you're talking about here? Yeah, I'm just arbitrarily uh, declaring it the first sure. buy low window of the season. But my rationale is, okay, we're a month in now. I think there's enough of a sample size. Most teams have played double-digit games. I think every team's played at least 10 now. So you're going to get some teams that are actually panicking and frustrated with their slumping stars. So there might be some opportunities. Maybe you're not going to be getting stars for 70 cents on the dollar, but maybe you'll be getting some at 90 cents on the dollar this early in the season. Uh, so... I'll go through a few candidates. Number one on the list is just all the Edmonton Oilers. There's no way they're going to be this bad for this long. Territorially, they're playing fine. They're actually among the league leaders in terms of expected goals. They're driving the play. They just had terrible goaltending. But overall, as a team, there seems to be sort of a stink on the Oilers. I am a little worried that Connor McDavid is trying to play through that injury still. Mm -hmm. He doesn't quite look himself. But either way. Did you ever imagine that you'd be able to buy low on any Edmonton Oilers? They're, they are the hype machine. They're the most exciting fantasy environment that we've seen in this millennium. So obviously every Oiler, you had to pay top go- top dollar to get, whether it was Evan Bouchard or Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins even had 100 points last year. Right now, it's like, okay, Nuge, under a point per game. Darnell Nurse got off to a really slow start. McDavid only, only quote-unquote, 10 points in eight games. If you can get... Even the slightest discount, like if you can trade, if you have Elias Pettersson who's got 20 points leading the league in scoring, if you can offer him for McDavid, whatever, if you can get just the slightest discount, I think you've got to go in and start making offers for all those Oilers because I think they will still turn you a, a nice profit as the season progresses. And I will point out a lot of people wondering, you know, will Jay Woodcroft get fired? Will they make a change in as a coach? We do know that whenever a coach gets fired and a new coach comes in, everyone seems to get a nice boost. Yeah. So that might be something where that could be what fixes the Oilers. Not saying they should be doing that right now. Like this team's too good to be playing the way they are right now. And they get goaltending has been a problem here. And Connor McDavid clearly is not playing a hundred percent, but I do think that, you know, Again, I agree with this one here. Uh, another one, this one's kind of, you know, we're recording this on a Monday for a Tuesday, but just, you know, a few minutes ago, we heard that it looks like Andre Vasilevsky might not be too far away. So he's one to watch. Yes, that's right. And I had Andre Vasilevsky down as a buy low already. And then we get the nice piece of news from John Cooper that he might be back even earlier than expected, which would be American Thanksgiving before the end of the month. And the situation in which you can try to buy low on Vasi basically Whoever drafted Vasilevsky obviously lost an important piece. And we don't know for sure that that owner got Jonas Johansson, scooped him up to replace Vasilevsky. So there's a decent chance that a lot of Vasilevsky owners out there are off to poor starts. They're low in the standings. They can't afford to wait too much longer for Vasilevsky. If you are in a favorable spot in the standings, you may as well put an offer in and try and stash Vasilevsky. I still think right now, if the team that he's on is desperate enough and buried maybe in last place, it's early enough in the season that there's still hope for that team. That's why this buy low window is very important because you're going to be able to get a dance partner. It's definitely not too late for a last place team to turn things around. And that's got to be your pitch. Hey, you can still get out of this hole, but maybe in three weeks, four weeks, it'll be too late. So why don't you trade me Vasilevsky? I'll give you so-and-so, a player, maybe a top 100 player that you can afford to lose if you're in a, a nice spot in the standings. So I think it's time to get some low ball offers out there. And this might be the most rested we've ever seen Vasilevsky in his career. Sure, he's had to deal with an injury here, but 
I don't want to bet against him under any circumstance. Let's go on to Dallas, the Robertson Hints Pavelski line. Why should people buy low on that? Considering that seems to be hard to buy low on, on Jason Robertson. For sure. And they certainly haven't been bad. No. Uh, they just haven't been all world good. Like Jason Robertson's under a point per game. I think he only has two goals. If, if I checked, uh, if I'm remembering correctly and yeah, he's got two goals and eight points. And Dallas is tied for the fewest games played in the league. So if you're just kind of casually looking at your players' stats, in most formats, you don't necessarily see games played. You just see their numbers and their rank. And if you're just in a fairly casual league, the Dallas guys, their numbers are just not as puffed up as they could be, right? So I think right now, you could probably get them maybe for 95 cents on the dollar. I'm not talking about a big discount, even just mm -hmm. the slightest discount. Some, let's say, again, I like to use examples. Let's say you have Jesper Bratt who's right up near the league leaders in scoring, maybe you can offer Jesper Bratt for Jason Robertson, right? Someone who I think over the course of the year is going to end up with more points, but Jesper Bratt is almost double Robertson's point or maybe more than double Robertson's total right now. So looking for trades like that, where you'd still be giving up a very good player, but just those tiny little edges that come back to help you later, especially knowing that Dallas has 72 games left. Okay, I like that one. Next one, Drake Batherson, Ottawa Senators. Obviously, a lot of injuries going around that group, but uh, why should people be buying low on Drake Batherson? Yeah, Drake Batherson, only five points in 10 games. We know he's a lot better than that. He's shooting a career low, 8.3%. I know that DJ Smith, as the fire DJ chance are raining down, he's put his lines in a blender. We saw, I think it was Matthew Joseph was on the top line for a bit. I'm not too worried about that. I think really it's just bet on talent. And we know Drake Batherson, he's going to be a top six forward for most of the season. And the fact that he's not right now, that just means it's a better opportunity to buy low. All right. And the last one for this is a guy I literally, before taping this, decided to get rid of. Seth Jones. You know, I was really high on Seth Jones, obviously, with the Blackhawks connection and Bedard. Uh, I just needed kind of a boost on defense. And unfortunately, I've lost too many points for him because we included plus minus as a stat this year, which means... Bad night is a very bad night where you lose points. So Seth Jones, Philo. Yeah, Seth Jones. So going into last night's game, I noticed he had no goals. He had 20 shots. So he was firing the biscuit a lot, playing 25 plus minutes a night. And if you look at Connor Bedard, all those advanced metrics, we know that he should be scoring a lot more than he is. And I think it's going to explode at some point, and we're going to start seeing a huge barrage of goals from Bedard. That's going to rub off on everybody else. It's going to make the whole team more dangerous. It's going to make their power play more dangerous. And Seth Jones, he's just out there so much. Mm -hmm. He's going to start getting points by osmosis. The pucks are going to start going in as well. He's not going to shoot 0% for the whole season. And so far, the plus-minus problem actually has not been nearly what it was last year. He's been fine. He's not killing anybody in that category, too. So I think that has also raised his floor in fantasy. So to me, he's someone that you can target because I think the Blackhawks are going to be better, not necessarily in real life, but in fantasy. They're going to have their time in the sun at some point this season. Okay. I like that a lot. Uh, that that uh, I... I probably can go and go back and get him at some point. But right now I needed to get some offense and I picked up Philip Peronic. So I feel like that one worked out quite well. And it's time for the tip of the week before we welcome in our guest. And it's don't put too much stock into midseason call-ups. This isn't baseball. Yes, and this is funny. I say this as someone who picked up Connor Zary and Raphael Lavoie and Matthew Savoy in the last <laughs> few days. But here's why I want to explain it. If you play other fantasy sports, especially fantasy baseball, a call-up from the minors is a big deal. Mike Trout, in his legendary rookie season, was a call-up from the minors. You basically get your best prospects in the game coming from the minors because of service time manipulation. The best young prospects in the game don't start the season on their actual teams. It's not that way for hockey. Usually, the true top-tier prospects either go right from the draft onto their NHL team or they just break camp with the team the next year, whatever it is. If you're calling guys up from the AHL during the season, you're not necessarily throwing them into major roles right away. You're usually calling them up for an injury replacement, maybe a cup of coffee, they get sent back down. If you look at last year, top 50 players in the AHL in points per game, the only ones who got called up and made a difference in the NHL, Kirill Marchenko, Tommy Novak. But despite what I've just said, it's very different for goaltenders. Goaltenders, it's 100% the opposite. You can actually get a major impact from a mid-season call-up in net, and that's just the nature of the position. There could be an injury where you bring in a starter who ends up pushing someone else, Jordan Bennington being one of the most famous recent examples. So everything I've said, disregarded for goalies. But mid-season call-ups, even if it's a good prospect, eh, they're just a little bit overrated, and you can sometimes get too much excitement over someone who gets the call mid-season. 
100% agree, including a Matt Savoy, a guy I'm super high on, mostly because he will be with Team Canada at the World Juniors in a few months. Who's our guest this week? Our guest is our old pal, Nick Alberga, is back. We haven't had him on in a while, and we want to catch up, so he is next. Okay, we are pleased to welcome back to the show our pal, the host of Leafs Morning Take, a great show. It's Nick Alberga. Nick, how you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thank you so much for calling it a great show. I think it's a work in progress as we are on a normal uh, day-by-day basis. I'm okay. I won't lie, guys. It's been a tough, tough start to my two fantasy leagues this year, and I'm really, really feeling it right now. How are you guys? We're doing pretty well. I understand tough start. For me, tough start is different. I'm accidentally doing well, and that's got to really just grind your gears. I'm not trying. I was trying to tank, and I'm doing well. Like I'm in third place. It's it's a disaster. Uh, So I'm feeling it in a different way, but... Maybe this first question I'm going to ask you, Nick, is going to tie to whatever's gone wrong. I don't know. But I want to know in a fantasy context, what is the biggest surprise of the season for you? It could be good or bad. Um, So there's a couple things that come to mind, like the Vancouver Canucks in general. I think, you know, I expected them to make the playoffs. I will say that they were on my uh, postseason ballot, if you want to call it that. Like they were going to make it in my world. And again, there's plenty of racetrack, but... It's more so the evolution of guys like Elias Patterson this year taking even maybe another step. Quinn Hughes playing like a Norris Trophy winner. Thatcher Demko in the Vesna conversation. Again, very careful. We're like one-eighth of, uh, of our way through here. But the Vancouver Canucks in general, just where they're getting the offense, is great news to the years of uh, fantasy owners. Uh, Dylan Larkin's another one that comes to mind right away. Obviously, the exposure to Alex Dabrinkit and the Batman and Robin scenario they got going on there. So right away, when you ask that question, those are the two things that really stood out for me. So we've seen a bunch of slow starters in the NHL already. Johnny Gujo's one, obviously Dawson Mercer. We talked about him a bit earlier in this show. But of all the slow starters that we've seen, who are you most worried about right now? So this one ties directly to me because I can't get a save for many of my billion goalies that I've <laughs> been rostering this year. Hell, I was jumping at the wire on Monday to pick up Pyotr Kachekov. He's been recalled for the 47th time or about to be recalled. I don't think he's been recalled yet, but too many stops and starts. Connor Hellebuck is my answer because I have no clue what the Winnipeg Jets are. On top of that, Rick Bonus is not with the team right now. And I just wonder how what kind of impact that has in them, you know, first and foremost. And that's taking nothing away from Connor Hellebuck. He got paid now. He's one of the premier goaltenders in the league. I believe he was the front runner in terms of the betting favorite to win the Vezina Trophy going into the season. I just don't think, you know, Winnipeg's particularly a good team. And I think it's going to affect them defensively. Like, he has masked a lot in the past. And I just, I wonder if Hellebuck's up to the task this year. So that's my guy. It's funny, we were talking talking about it on the on recent uh, episode that things are wonky in Winnipeg because their defensive metrics have actually improved and he's gotten worse because he's a rhythm goalie. Oh, the irony. <laughs> Unlike the song Ironic, by the way, nothing <laughs> in that song is ironic, which to me is the greatest irony of all, but I digress. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I just want to take a shot at Atlantis there. Okay, so <laughs> Nick, we always like to squeeze in a Leaf question just because obviously you have yeah. a great perspective with your show. Uh, what are your thoughts on the struggles of Tyler Bertuzzi? Is that a buy? Is that a sell? A buy low? What do you do with him if you drafted him? Uh, I would I would jump out. Uh, I think there was way too much noise around the guy to begin with. I think, as you guys know, in the fantasy world, he has his hot moments. He has his cold moments. It's been the case since he was the Detroit Red Wing. And I know last year, the finish in Boston, people are like, this guy's going to get 40 goals playing with the big boys. Just doesn't work that way. Like, I... I think he's your classic, like, dump now, just monitor what he does and then revisit later. It's not like anybody's going to be chomping at the bit to pick up Tyler Bertuzzi. A big part of the play with the player is is, his line deployment, right? If he's playing with the big boys, if he's playing with Matthews, if he's playing with JT, I get the sell. Maybe this week because of a four-game slate for the Maple Leafs, you hang on just for a couple more games. But if you don't see it very, very soon, uh, I wouldn't lose sleep over the fact that you have to maybe jump out uh, on this guy. just hasn't worked out just yet. So let's go with a super deep bench league scenario there. Yeah. Who's a seemingly irrelevant player that you stash now for later? So do you mean this from an injury standpoint or just in general? I think just in general, someone that, I mean, it could be injury, but anything, just someone who right now doesn't move the needle and no one, you know, barely owned or whatever it is, but actually he's going to move the needle later. I have a couple then that come to mind. Bobby Brinks had a really good start with Philadelphia. Yeah. I've been uh, streaming him quite a bit, and I think he's not getting much play for the Calder conversation, understandably so. A couple of injury guys I would look at. Max Pacioretty with the Washington Capitals. I know they stink, but this guy's a bona fide sniper if he can play. And the theme is Achilles injuries because Jack Quinn's another guy 
uh, with the Buffalo Sabres, another pure sniper um, who I think at some point in time will return to that Sabres lineup and I think could make an impact fantasy-wise. And then I'll go off the complete board and go to the ECHL and I'll go to Anthony Duclair of the San Jose Sharks. See what I did there? I think Duclair is going to be dealt at some point in time. When he does go to an NHL team, I think he could be a sneaky ad. So if you, if you got the room on your roster and you want to roster a guy on the San Jose One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sharks, who again I think are a Coast League team, then by all means. I love the not just the shot, not just AHL. I love the skipping of a league, just just <laughs> shot fired across them. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh boy, I'm a Bobby Brink and Max Pacioretty owner, by the way. So you're nice music to my ears. Oh yeah, Bobby Brink man. It's a deep league, as you can tell. Yeah. Uh, so earlier in the show, Nick, we were talking about Andre Vasilevsky, and I was mentioning him as a buy low, maybe someone that you target if your team is in a good position and the Vasilevsky owner is in the dumps already and needs to make a move quickly. But what's a, what's a price check for you in terms of a, a player that you would offer? I'm sure anyone listening, they love to hear examples in case they are trying to cook up a similar idea. So what would you offer for Vasilevsky? Um, so I am a Vasilevsky owner, one of my keeper leagues. Um, you know, they were like the news came out in camp when we already solidified our keepers. I said, you know what? I'm not going to make a big stink about it. It's fantasy sports. Like guys get hurt and it, it's been tough. That's one of my teams. I have Hellebuck. He can't make a save. I have Corpusello. He can't make a save. Like it's just been really, really difficult. Vasi's going to solidify my crease, but there have been some people sniffing around, um, I would say at this point, and I know as we record this, I believe John Cooper a couple hours earlier said that, uh, you know, they're targeting American Thanksgiving, which is three weeks away, as we know. I think it's got to be pretty close to market value at this point in time for Vasilevsky. I, I just think goaltending is so hard to come by, especially somebody of the oak of Vasilevsky. I know he's played a lot of games, but don't forget like the rest that Tampa in general has gotten. I think that's a, a huge story for me is like everybody was counting them out when Vasi goes down. And they're 5-3-3 three, and three through, what, 11 games to start the year. I think John Cooper is very live for the Jack Adams trophy this season. I don't know if he's going to get it, but I think he is uh, very deserving to keep this team in the race. To answer your question, um, I think anybody in the top 50, like I value Vasilevsky because I think Tampa A is a good team and B, I think he's an excellent goaltender and will put up phenomenal numbers for you. So I would say players like in the top 50, um, you know, and I think it depends on the fantasy owner and how badly they need a goaltender. Like I got some heat on social on Saturday. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> when I said, if Nashville, if Edmonton's sniffing around on UC Saros, my ask would be, would be Leon Drysaddle. And I think it could apply to the fantasy world. Like I'm not, that wasn't a troll job, by the way. If you're in Nashville, why, why would you help Edmonton out? If you want one of the best goaltenders on the planet, pay up. And that would be my strategy in fantasy hockey depending on the needs of the 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 person trying to get Vasilevsky from you. I, I make everybody pay up for goaltenders. I think they're hard to find, especially in this tandem era, guys. like to just point out, it uh, looks like a blood clotting issue for Freddie Anderson. So Ooh. that explains what's going on with the Carolina That's Hurricanes. That's tough. Now, shift mm. gears here. I recently offered an 18th round pick for a first round pick in, in the trade. 
It did not go through. I have no idea why. It, it makes no sense <laughs> to me. But for people like me that just struggle to complete trades in fantasy, what's the Dude. best tip you can give? You're preaching the quote. I can't make trades anymore, guys. And I, it really impacts because I, I was a big trader in my heyday of playing fantasy, still play fantasy quite a bit, but that's how I like, I mold my team. And now people just won't trade with me for maybe I want too much, which is maybe the case for my players. And I value them higher than others do. But I think just advice in general, like patience is a virtue. I like to outweigh you know, people engage sort of their interest engage like how badly they want a player. I just never make a deal for, for the sake of making a deal, especially this early on. Like maybe you guys, you know, feel differently, but my strategy is always patience, patience, patience. Um, as I mentioned, I know we're a month into this season and I I'm struggling to get a save, but I'm not going overboard, like overpaying to get a goalie, if that makes sense. So I would advise everybody to be patient um, when it comes to making a trade. You, you don't feel the need, don't don't feel compelled to do anything you don't feel comfortable doing, right? Okay, that's good to know. I, yeah. I it's it's not advice that I heed. I, I'm I'm like you know every league has the like crack addict owner or just like needs. That's to you. Trade. I'm a machine in my fantasy baseball league this year. I made 22 trades. Good for one, you. You're like Jim Rutherford. I got things on social media. Hell, I have a shirt that says "Someone make a trade." Like that is my <laughs> brand, as you know, guys. I documented this like Jim Rutherford. This guy's Mr. Trade. Like if you look back at his track record in Pittsburgh, I know he's like the president in Vancouver. Like he is like my idol because he likes trading. So I appreciate that. Thank you. He loves trading. And like half the time it's like random AHL or for yeah, other random AHL. Artists. How like, many why? times can we trade for Mark Friedman? <laughs> I, I've told him that a couple of years ago when he was, uh, before he went to Vancouver, I said, come on, Jim, we need you back in there. Like you just, you love, you love making trades. Like we need something to write about. So I, just, I had to, <laughs> I had to compliment him on it. Yeah. All right, Nick. Well, this is awesome. We really appreciate the time as always. And you've been inspired me maybe next week we'll do trade advice from the actual trade monster so i'll think about it but uh before we let you go what do you want to plug man uh least morning take that show you reference as great again work in progress a lot of great times on the show recently with jay rosehill carter hutt and anthony stewart so at the leafs nation 401 where you could subscribe on youtube and go through the roller coaster that is the toronto maple leafs a lot of fun to cover excellent thanks buddy Always great to have our buddy Nick on. The vibes are always just kind of right. I like having him on. It's it's always just a chill, a chill vibe. Uh, Steven, let's do prospect update now. And I'm going to just throw more at you than normal. I just want you to give me an update a month into the season. Your general thoughts on the trifecta, the 2023 draft trifecta. Connor Bedard, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli. What are your general thoughts on how they're doing so far in real life, fantasy, whatever is on your mind? So obviously, you look at Connor Bedard, seven points in his first 11 games. He's doing a lot for a Blackhawks team that is still not very good. Um, on the ice, obviously a lot of fun um, to watch this group, just kind of seeing how the young guys are kind of starting to take over here. Uh, and Bedard's looking pretty solid. Right now, he's on pace for 52 points. I think my original projection was I'm still thinking like a 60 points was max, and he still could do it. But right now, again, projection of 52 points. His goal count looks a little silly compared to his assist count, five goals, two assists. But overall, I'm happy with what we're seeing from him. He's still trying to adjust to how to use his game to be effective. Uh, you know, obviously the skill was there, but we were doing so much projecting when it came to him being, you know, the next superstar player, um, as opposed to a guy like Fantilli, who we just kind of expected to just go right in and have no issues and look that he'll be physically strong, good things like that with Bedard. We're starting to see him throw hits. You know, I wrote an article last year for daily Faceoff and how he was an underrated hitter, underrated physical guy. We're starting to see that right now, but we're seeing with him just someone who's continuing to build confidence. He can't slow the game like he did in Regina. He can't do that. Like he was doing against like Slovakia at the world juniors. He has to figure out ways to be effective because everyone's moving a lot quicker. Uh, and I think he's, He's looking better, I think, of every game. So teams know to really kind of zero in on him. But the fact that he's got 7 points, 11 games, one of the best players for Chicago, I think is kind of what we expected. Go at Adam Fantilli, Columbus Blue Jackets, 6 points in 11 games, not getting the same hype, obviously. Uh, it almost feels like we forgot about him. I was doing my Calder, like looking at the top <laughs> players, and I almost kind of forgot about Fantilli. And it's it's not due to a lack of effort from him. He's obviously putting up some good numbers. Again, 6 points in 11 games on a Blue Jackets team that is kind of weird right now with, with Gujo doing absolutely nothing out there. And with, with Fantilli having to play some heavy minutes there, getting some good opportunities, I expected, you know, we saw him place against pros last year in the World Hockey Championship, and it took a 
bit for him to really look comfortable. But right now, I feel like he's looking good. Uh, when he's playing against his own age group, uh, against younger lines, younger matchups, I feel he's looking good. But I have no concerns there. Obviously, with you know, I really wanted him and Kent Johnson to play together. Kent Johnson mm-hmm. getting down, sent down to the AHL. I feel like they're they're missing that guy who could be that finisher, that skill guy who could do a lot of that offensive things. Um, so I'd like to see him come back. But I do like that they're giving him with other young guys to work with, like Marchenko, like Voronkov, who's thrown some huge hits. I still feel like that's a pretty good lineup there. So again, no concerns here. 50 points for me would be a okay for him. 45 points is currently his pace. And again, I'm still fine with that. Uh, Cause I know what the long-term future is here. Leo Carlson though has been very interesting and it's like, he's actually been very effective when he's played, but he's only played seven games. He mm-hmm. hasn't played every game. Uh, he's now getting the lineup more often than not. He has four points. He's looked really good for the ducks. I'm very excited about him. They're giving him those opportunities. They're giving him good matchups, you know, not playing him on the first power play to my understanding, but they're giving him good players to play with, whether it be Troy Terry, guys like that, who could be a good mentor for him. He was the one that I was really excited to see as like, you know, maybe the most NHL ready. So it was interesting when the Ducks, a team that has exceeded all expectations, have kind of decided we're going to take it slow here. He's not going to play every single night, but we're going to just kind of ease him in. And, you know, dealing with an injury in the offseason or the the pre season i get that you know you don't need to rush him in and it's got to make sense but i do wonder though if they are going to send him down to sweden for the world uh world juniors the local tournament if they're not keeping him in the lineup for every single game they don't necessarily need him to but he goes to sweden that tournament again home ice he might play 23 24 minutes a night he would be such an important part of that team so that's something i'd be keeping an eye on i don't think they need to like again he's playing well with the ducks but if they still are by Christmas time, looking at this being like a, every other game, we're going to see what happens, you know, not going to commit to him playing every game. Why not throw him there? Give him a chance to be a leader, get that confidence, start putting pucks in the net. So um, that's kind of where I'm at of these three guys. I'm, I'm, you know, pretty happy. None of them are struggling here. They're all you know, got different situations, all looking good. Uh, so I'm happy with these three. Okay. Very interesting takes. And yeah, Carlson, the world junior element is interesting just because the ducks are playing well mm-hmm. at seven and four going into Monday's action. It's like, does that mean they're less likely to send them to the world juniors? I'm not sure. And what really is fascinating to me is if you look at Columbus, if you look at Cole Salinger, Kent Johnson, mm-hmm. Liam Foody, Igor Chinikov, why can this team not develop its own forwards? And it's not like these are forwards <laughs> they pick in the seventh round. These are their first rounders. What the heck is going on in this developmental pipeline? I feel like we need to do an expose on why Columbus is messing up all the young players' development. It's very strange to me right now. It's weird because they got one of the best prospect pools. And like when I wrote about them, I'm like, there, I, I did a top 10 in the summer of the best prospects, but I'm like 12 or 13 of them might actually be full-time NHLers like three to four years from now. They're just that good of a young core, but it seems like getting the success they need. Like Ken Johnson had over 40 points last year. Like he quite, like I mentioned when we were at the NHL awards, I'm like, I feel like Ken Johnson got so disrespected by the Calder voters this year because he was consistently, you know, in the top 10 in scoring was doing some good things and just kind of got no love. And it's like, now he's not even playing. He's looking great in the AHL right now, but uh, to go back to the world junior element, you know, certain Boston guy that I thought, I think everyone's kind of surprised that Matthew Poitras is still with the Bruins, um, but he's played well enough to stay there. But if he starts to slump, do they send him back? Yeah. They've burned the first year, of the NHL entry contract, whatever. But if they send him back, you know, it'd be there'd be some things you need to focus on being a bit more physical, but you know, you don't really improve in the OHL and that that's where the NHL would be. But just being, you know, being just this confident shooter, a guy that didn't shoot as much last year as we hope he would, uh, going back and kind of being able to destroy the OHL again, not fully convinced that's where he needs to be. But if he starts to struggle, it'd be interesting to see if Canada alone gets him for the world juniors from Boston. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like Canada shaping up in any scenario, they're going to have a pretty stacked uh, roster for the World Juniors. Not as good as USA, though. Not as good as USA. I will point that out, but it's going to be good. That's exciting. It'll make for a good tourney. Uh, Steven, we're going to do the best bet of the week now. And this is an exciting one because it's going to feel really weird and hot takey. But my bet is Connor McDavid, Hart Trophy, and Connor McDavid, Rocket Richard, put some futures bets down on this up-and-coming prospect. But why I'm doing this is you're getting plus money at the moment. These are the odds a few days ago in Patano, but you got to shop around. Plus 150 for the MVP, plus 500 to lead the league in goals. The fact you can get plus money on any type of McDavid bet right now mm-hmm. is not normal. 
And he's currently 10 points off the NHL scoring lead. Obviously, the slow start, 10 points in his first eight games. But how fun is it to say, you know what? You know who I should bet my money? You know I'm going to put my chips on? Connor McDavid. I mean, if anybody's going to turn things around and go on a gangbusters run, it's him. Assuming he's healthy, obviously, that's a concern. I don't know if he came back too early because of the team's record and he's trying to rush into action. Maybe he'd be better served sitting in game or two. But either way, if you get a 70-game season from Connor McDavid, I think he could still win the scoring title. And now Jack Hughes goes down. That's one of the major competitors that's going to lose that game's advantage that he had because McDavid missed a little bit. So I just love the fact that you can get this bet on Connor McDavid right now. It's It doesn't feel like you ever get that kind of value. So why not take a quote-unquote swing on this plucky underdog? He's still on pace for a hundred points this year. Just, you know, he missed two yeah. games. It wasn't a long, I, I thought it was long <clears> to be honest, but he missed two games. Wait till, you know, if, if it is, you know, real that he was rushed back and he's not a hundred percent, wait till he is a hundred percent. And we know he could pop up a four goal or four point five point night, just kind of out of the blue. And then all of a sudden those numbers look even stupider and he's just flying away with it. So I would not be betting against Connor McDavid even though he's not the top scorer right now, we just know what he's going to do. A bad year for him is still the best year of a career for almost every player in the league. Yes, exactly, exactly. So let's uh, open it up to a few questions now. All right, first question comes from Sean, who asks, Cairo dropped in my league. Drop Pacioretty or Patrick Kane for him? And if so, and if so who? Thank you, sir. Yeah, so Sean, I, I know I was talking to you about this on Twitter before, and my initial inclination was to drop Max Pacioretty in this scenario. Then we saw some photos surfacing from the Capitals of Pacioretty skating, and it's like, oh, wait, mm -hmm. he's out there. Does that mean he's close to a return? But then this is like the little mini roller coaster. But then the Capitals are saying it's still a long road back. With Achilles injuries, it just seems like the frequency of re injury. We just, if you're a football fan, it just happened to Cam Akers and, of course, Kirk Cousins. But the re injury rate, and, and Pacioretty's already had a re injury, it scares me. And I know Patrick Kane's hip resurfacing surgery was serious, but Kane has been a reasonably durable player over the course of his career, whereas Pacioretty has not been. So I think all things being equal, Kane, you're, you have a better chance of getting a fully healthy version of him when he comes back. So based on that, uh, I would definitely grab Jordan Cairo, but I, I would drop Max Pacioretty for him. All right. Jason Silva asks, Joseph Wohl, sell high, 12-team league. Don't think I'll get a better goalie via free agency, but the Toronto factor makes me want to explore moving based on hype. Do you believe he's the real deal? Now, if I'm correct, this question came, and since then, Wohl's had a couple of not-so-great starts, but uh, your thoughts kind of there. Yes, I absolutely do believe that Wohl is the real deal. Even with a couple of moments where he looked more human after his great first few starts, he still has a 925 career save percentage in 17 games. He's outplaying Ilya Samson of the season. I predicted before the season he was going to overtake him. I stand by that prediction. I love his makeup. I love his athleticism, his general poise. I just think he's starting goalie material. So based on that, I think you have to be careful if you're selling high on Joseph Wool. In a 12-team league, maybe because there could be some quality options available. Um, I think if you're doing it, I think you got to make sure you're getting somebody to overpay and you're getting someone that's a high volume, a good goaltender who's going to get high volume. So if you can get, you know, if you can buy low on Connor Hellebuck, if you can get UC Soros, who sometimes gets undervalued because of the team he plays for, if you can get Alexander Gurigev, you can get Thatcher Demko. If someone believes the Canucks aren't for real, someone like that, then yes. But if it's for a middling, if it's for like a Darcy Kemper, you know, kind of a brand name guy on a, on a weak team, I don't think it's worth it. I think you got to ride the upside of Joseph Wool. Okay, I like that one. And this is an interesting one from Damien, uh, who asked a couple questions in the past. Long term, David Yurichek or Brant Clark? Okay, I'll, I'll get your take on this one too, Stephen, after I'm done. But this is a tough one. If you're in a banger format, I can see the appeal of David Yurichek. To me, his long-term long statistical profile, I think it could be very similar to Moritz Sider, where he just stuffs the stat sheet because he's physical, he's got a big shot, he's going to get power play points, he's going to block shots, he's going to do a little bit of everything. But that said... The ceiling for Brand Clark is just so tantalizing. We've talked about him a lot on the show before. Anytime a defenseman at any level is getting two points a game, which he did roughly with Barry last year uh, when he came over there, I just think that moves the needle so much for me. And I, I am a big fan of Juracek, but just for pure scoring potential, Clark's is just off the charts. So I lean slightly toward him. Yeah, I'm going with Brand Clark too. You know, when it comes to actual on ice play, Juracek is the better defender um, because and I've written about it a few times. It feels like 
just the modern, like the defensemen we're seeing now just don't play a lot of defense. Lane Hudson is a perfect example of that. He should be playing forward. That's 100% where he should be because he gets beat way too much in his own zone. But when it comes to Brant Clark, watching him play, and this is a while ago now, but watching him play the Don Mills Flyers in 2018-19, I can't remember a player just that dominant as a playmaking defender, a puck-moving defender who can just set up plays, run the power play, played some penalty kill. He did everything. He had over 100 points that year, which was just unbelievable. Shane Wright was the guy he was passing to most often. You see him last year putting up over two points per game in the OHL. Like, no reason for him to be there. He should have been in the AHL. Right now in the AHL, he's on pace for over 50 points, which would be more than what Juracek got last year. But they're both 2003-born players, so I guess there's that. The fact that Juracek was playing a full year in the AHL last year was notable. Uh, Clark could not play in the AHL on a full-time basis due to the the CHL agreement, but he's just looking just fantastic right now in the AHL, just putting up great numbers. Uh, from a pure offensive standpoint, I have no question that Juracek, or, um, that Clark's going to be able to put 50 points up a year in the NHL. He's going to be able to do that consistently, play the power play, do all that stuff. So if you're looking just for pure points from one of the two, I'm going, I'm going Brant Clark. Okay. So it sounds like we're in agreement there. And uh, I guess that means it's time to finish it off now with the starting lineup. All right. So today it's you who's going to be ranking the top video games of all time, I guess, in your opinion. And, you know, I know you haven't played it yet, but Spider-Man 2, I know is your number one without even playing it. <laughs> I it's can just, just feel it psychically. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> so obviously there's going to be a big nostalgia factor here. And I think, but I don't think it's coincidence because if you have nostalgia toward a game, it's because you played it so much because it was such a replayable game. So I think they actually, the quality and the nostalgia factor tie in together. Okay. So number six, I have WCW versus NWO revenge for the N64. It's the oh, wow. second <laughs> WCW wrestling game. It had just such great play control. It was so smooth, easy to play. There's so many characters to choose from hundreds. I think you can customize them, change their names, change their, all of their outfits. Like my buddy and I used to used to rename every wrestler just after like people from our high school, like whoever they look like. And it was just a fun game. You could play four players. You could do battle royales. It was just tons of fun. Great game. Uh, number five, Batman Arkham Knight for the PS4, which is, I believe, the most recent of the Arkham Asylum series, the the, the most graphically enhanced mm -hmm. one. But And this is why I still lean the Batman games over the Spider-Man games. I find just the combat engine is so smooth. like You really feel like you're Batman. You can just calmly engage 50 guys at a time and feel totally in control. I think with Spidey, just with the web swinging, it's a little bit more button mashy, whereas I think Batman has the best play control of any game like that that I've ever played. Obviously, great characters, great graphics, all that stuff too. Um, Final Fantasy 3 is number four for the SNES. Oh, if you're an man. RPG fan, obviously Final Fantasy 7 is one that people are really nostalgic about, but Final Fantasy 3 was a really deep and dark and just, it was a great sprawling game. It had an amazing story. It had a story where basically the world ends halfway through the game and you have to just restart the game in this kind of like destroyed world. It was great. Just a, a legendary game. Number three, MLB The Show. I almost put Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. I love that game for the SNES. But in terms of the best, most challenging, most realistic sports simulation, I think the MLB The Show series is the best ever made. And I don't know which version I put, but maybe I think The Show 10 was maybe my favorite. Uh, but either way, just a phenomenal series. Number two, Super Mario 3. I uh, love the Mario series, but I think 3 really took things to a new level in terms of just having every level was a theme. You had the water world, the giant world, the sky world. And yes, there were lots of fun secrets and warp whistles, things like that. But to me, it was the themed levels that really made it special and just a super memorable game. And top of the list, hey, it's a hockey podcast. I can't not have a hockey game on here. You might you might have been wondering, hey, where's the hockey? Got to go NHL 94. It's a boring oh. pick, but it's a great game for a reason. Steven doesn't like it. Yes, NHL 2004 is a great game too. That was in consideration. But NHL 94, I think maybe still to this day, which is crazy. It's been 29 years. I don't know. I guess 30 years actually since the release. I don't know if a hockey video game has been able, been able to recreate the crowd energy of NHL 94, which is nuts. Like the crowd that would get louder when you throw hits and the organ music and whatever I don't think it's been topped and I don't know why that is, but that really made the game special on top of just, you know, great play control, introduction of one timers, all that fun stuff. 
but the atmosphere to me is what really added to it. So that is the starting line of my favorite video games of all time. There are still active NHL 94 tournaments going on. Oh, yeah. There's also there's also an NHL 94 like PC mod with like current rosters and everything. And I believe you could play online in it. So um, I think we got to save this one for me. I've got some good opinions on, on, on this specific starting lineup in the future. But uh, yeah, that, I guess that's that. That could be fun. Man. Maybe for next episode, we'll do the we'll do the counter the first ever counter starting lineup between that and trade advice. I feel like we've planned uh, half our next episode, which is great. That's convenient. <laughs> that's and really easy. <laughs> that's a good way to end this week's episode. Uh, we thank you everybody for watching and listening. We'll be back next week to keep helping you along this roller coaster of a fantasy hockey season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.